wherever you may be around the world, thank you for your company. Once again, on truth2u.org, that's truth2u.org. I'm Jono, and joining me, of course, my very good friend, co-host of the Tanakh Tour, Ross Nichols, the author of The Moses Scroll. G'day, mate. Hey, how's it going, Jono? I'm back, man. I am back. Back from Germany. I am. Yes, indeed. Go on. Man, look, Give us the it, highlight well, of your I, adventures over in Germany. What'd you I got to tell you, I, the Tylers and I, uh, we're just having Dave all Patty. kind Good of fun. Yes, indeed. They, they, uh, it was, it was. Uh, thanks to them, I was able to go, and and we we mm. went to Berlin, flew into Berlin, and this was the highlight of the trip in terms of Shapira studies. Uh, we got to meet now. Dave uh, travels quite frequently for business, so he's all over the world. So he had already established a really great relationship with uh, the director of the Staatsbibliothek, the state library in Berlin. And so when we got there, she was, you know, an, an old friend of Dave's. So we walked in. We had requested several manuscripts related to Shapira studies uh, to be pulled and reserved. These were donated in some cases by Shapira's widow after he died. One of them oh, yeah. is very relevant for my present research on the Morbidica. Uh, so anyway, so we, we met with her. We had a wonderful time. Uh, it, it is something, Jono, I'm telling you, to hold these documents, having spent the last two and a half years of my life on Shapira, I guess now, to hold a, a notebook that he actually penned the entire thing. He's you know, to hold that and to look at this Paleo Hebrew is quite incredible. So, mm. so we had a wonderful time, uh, and then you know, I'm I'm knee deep in the research. What can I say? It was a it was a short period of time on the ground. Countryside is beautiful. If we have any listeners from Germany, I love Germany. It's quite beautiful. We went. Not mm. only did we do Berlin, we passed through Leipzig, a uh, little bit to the east of Leipzig, actually. Stayed okay. in a place called uh, Langenberg, and and uh, and then of course we were at Frankfurt as well. So five days on the ground, big research ahead, lots of work, and then I got home. But look, I, let me give a shout out to I. I have to tell you, I might even mention this. The other day I was in my office working, and I see uh, my phone go off. And I recognize the name. He's a friend of mine on social media. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Arnold. You know this gentleman? Oh, good night, Jeff. Yeah, 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 yeah. from New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. So I think, wow, you know, he just dialed me up and I had time and I answered it. And I said, hey, how's it going? And he's, you know, very kind and yeah, I'm doing fine. How are you? And nice guy. after a few minutes, he said, uh, may I ask who this is? I said, well, the, you, <laughs> you called me and I'm giving him a hard time. But here's what he... His phone, he actually accidentally dialed my number, and and it called me. But we had the greatest time. We talked for a little while, and we got to know one another. He and I have a lot in common, and and he's a longtime listener of Truth To You. Uh, Wonderful guy, and you know... Hey, maybe it wasn't an accident that he called me. We we're the we're the best of buddies. <laughs> He's following now. along. He's following these programs. That's right. I know. I know it. I know it. So I had to I had to say that because I was excited. So good day in New Zealand. And uh, shout out to Jeff. That's, that's good. right. That's right. Okay. Right. So listen, um, themosescroll.com is the website. Themosescroll.com. Uh, there is a blog. 
there as well, where you are keeping us up to date with, um, you've got articles in there, recent articles regarding Germany and, and your trip there. Yeah, actually, I, I have some catch-up to do, but I did write one. I was in Amsterdam, uh, and I wrote from Amsterdam a note that I think is important for people who are into this story. You know, I mean, Amsterdam is a big deal. Why was Shapira in, in the Netherlands for the mm. final six months of his life? No one mm. before I published my book had ever given an answer to that, but there is an answer. We know why he was in the Netherlands. Uh, to be in Amsterdam, to be thinking of uh, Shapira, and I just happened to be there on Simkat Torah. So uh, for me, oh, yeah. you know, it was uh, it's a memorable Simkat Torah for me. You know, it was there I was thinking about not only the Torah as uh, Jewish people think of the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch on mm. Simchat Torah. I was thinking of an earlier document, Jono. I was mm-hmm. thinking of something that I would call the Torah of Moses, the Moses mm. Scroll. It's a different book, uh, but that's what we're talking about on this program, isn't it? That is indeed. So where we are up to is we're still in um, the 10 words, the most exciting part of the Moses Scroll, and we have already addressed uh, in the previous program, uh, Shabbat. Uh, Shabbat appears in the second commandment in the Moses scroll, yep. um, number four in the canonical text. And uh, number one, of course, is the prohibition against idolatry. So we've done those. Number three. Number three. Um, this is where we're up to. And okay. this is the way it reads. You ready? Mm-hmm. Honor your father and your mother. I am Elohim, your Elohim. Of course, every commandment is signed off that way, and uh, but it's that simple. Honor your father and your mother. Now, it appears differently in the canonical text, and that is to say that uh, it appears a little differently in the 10 words of Deuteronomy, and appears differently again. And there are some differences between uh, Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Ross, do you want to highlight those first? Should we start there? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and start there. I think that's a good way. Let's start with the Bible that everyone knows. Um, mm. As you said, if you're, if you're looking at the Ten Words, uh, unfortunately people call it the Ten Commandments, but uh, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, give weight to your father and to your mother. Notice I said give weight, Jonah. This mm. is my translation. Uh, I think most translations will say honor. But give weight to your father and to your mother in order to lengthen your days upon the land that Jehovah your Elohim is giving to you. That's Exodus. Now we'll pick Mm -hmm. up on this give weight in a minute. Now if we go to Deuteronomy 5 verse 16, it starts off the same. Give weight to your father and to your mother. Now this is a difference. As which Jehovah your Elohim commanded you in order Mm -hmm. to lengthen your days and in order that it may be well for you upon the land that Jehovah your Elohim is giving to you. So, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we have this this part is different. Uh, Deuteronomy 5.16 has, As which Jehovah Elohim commanded you and in order that it may be well with you. Now, those phrases are typical of of Deuteronomy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Often you'll find a a text that is in Deuteronomy and and, and you'll often find a text that's very similar to it in one of the other books. Deuteronomy has a tendency 
to have the phrase as which Jehovah your Elohim commanded you and in right, order so, to be well with you. Now that that reminds me of uh, another phrase that that appears in Deuteronomy quite a lot and that is as it is until this day or, yeah, or uh, yeah. as it is today or something like that. So my question is in that regard where it says in Deuteronomy as the Lord your God commanded you it seems to be alluding to an original rendering of the Decalogue of the, the, the ten words. Is this what you would call Acronistic is is this uh, an anachronism? It you know it, it could very well be something which is written at a later time. Remember anachronism, which I'm glad you brought that up, is from the Greek and it means backwards time. So when a writer, when a scribe puts an anachronism in a text, he's going back in time and inserting something into a previous text. So your point is valid. It could be that this particular is a giveaway. And it's interesting that Exodus lacks it. So Exodus 20 doesn't have mm. it. Deuteronomy 5 does. And and that lends to the idea that a lot of people believe that Deuteronomy represents a later version of the text, uh, much later. And I'm not talking about, you know, most people would say, of course it's later, Ross. Exodus 20 happened at Sinai. And Deuteronomy 5 happens in Moab. No, I'm talking much later. Uh, most scholars mm-hmm. date Deuteronomy, at least a completed form, to 622 uh, BCE at the earliest. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the earliest date they'll give it in academia. Uh, so, so yes, it, it could very well be, but these phrases occur. In fact, these are some of the phrases that are attributed to what scholars call the uh, Deuteronomist, whether that is a an individual scribe, as some scholars propose, or a school of scribes, as others propose. Clearly in mm. addition to the text, though. Our scroll, as you said, reads even lighter, doesn't it? Um, mm. You know, it, it doesn't have, at least in the version that I published in the book, it, it doesn't have this thing about lengthen your days. You want to talk about that a little bit? Or? Yeah, well, it, it, it doesn't have that... Uh, and that is to say, it does appear in the Moses Scroll, mm-hmm. but it doesn't appear here in the Moses Scroll. Um, and that is uh, in, I think it's DC 9 to DC 10 in the Moses Scroll. It says, you shall guard his statutes and his commandments for the sake of your good and for the lengthening of the days upon the land which El- Elohim, your Elohim, gives you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's represented in... Uh, uh, Deuteronomy, uh, I think it's Deuteronomy 440, I think and right. except that Deuteronomy 440 uh, also adds for all time onto well, let, the end of that. That's let's look at a couple of those. We do see that a little bit. Can we do that? Can we just? I, I had marked down a couple of them. Let's see. I had Deuteronomy 426 was the first one. Um, mm-hmm. It says, um, "Oh yeah, th- this this appears. Um, this theme appears a lot." Yeah, uh, in Deuteronomy, and I think, but I think it only appears in this way in uh, the Moses Scroll in um, uh, DC nine to DC that, ten. But go ahead, yeah, that's right. No, I was just going to say it's in Deuteronomy four twenty six. It's in Deuteronomy four forty. It's in mm-hmm. Deuteronomy six two, and it's in Deuteronomy chapter thirty and verse eighteen. So we don't have to read them. But the idea is, if you obey Jono. Um, you're going to lengthen your days in the land. It's it's part of the deal. 
you you right. don't if you don't obey you're out if you do obey mm-hmm. you're in now the i wanted to i wanted to go ahead and say this because i you know we're always looking at this very strictly we want to know it just like the people in 1883 is it a real document or is it forged now here's something mm. that we know we know that when Moses Shapira acquired the 16 leather strips he was very quick to identify, I say very quick, took five weeks to really study the manuscript. Mm. And in the course of that time, Jono, he realizes that he has two manuscripts of the same, let's call it same the, document. The same two document. copies of the same document. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he even identifies two different scribal hands. And so mm. as he looks at these, he, he recognizes and reports in his writings Look, it's it's virtually the same. There are minimal discrepancies between them, but there are some differences. Now, just speaking of this, some might say, well, wait a minute. If there are errors, if there are differences, how can you claim that this is authentic? Anyone who ever studies, like I encourage people who wanted to, to really look into this, uh, to get, say, uh, Emmanuel Tove's book on... Uh, the criticism of the Hebrew Bible, meaning, you know, let's look at all the manuscripts that are extant. We tend mm. to think of the Hebrew Bible based on the medieval copies that we now have, the Masoretic text, which came together. You know, the earliest copy of the Hebrew Bible dates only to like the 10th century A.D. Mm. So, so clearly by that point... They adopt a singular text, and anything that differs from that is, you know, it's wrong. But mm. prior to that, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, when we discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, you look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, and there are variations between the manuscripts. Uh, mm. And and then, uh, again, let's bring people back to our Bible. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 don't even agree. So we do mm. have textual variants within the text. Now, back to... The Moses Scroll. There are two copies of this manuscript. One of them, one of them has the phrase. Now I'm going to read you a note. This is from the Athenium newspaper, uh, mm-hmm. August the 11th, 1883, and Christian David Ginsburg is publishing mm. the text. And in this edition, August 11, 1883, on page 178 of that magazine. He publishes the ten words in Hebrew and English, and here's one of his notes. It says, In one slip containing the Decalogue, which I translated for the Times, meaning the London Times, the Mm -hmm. words uh, that your days may be lengthened are absent, but they are in the other slip, which contains Mm -hmm. a duplicate of the Decalogue. This is either... He says this is either due to an omission on the part of the scribe or indicates that it is intended as a different recension. Now, I find it interesting. If I'm going to forge a document, Jono, and I'm going to... Well, first of all, I wouldn't make two copies. One thing that our friend Daniel Wright always tells me, why would you make two? I mean, it's hard Mm. enough to pull the wool over somebody's eyes and make one manuscript and claim that it's ancient. But why mm. would you bring two knowing, knowing, Jono, that they read differently in this particular mm. verse at least? 
you would yeah. you would just put one in your jewelry box and leave it back in Jerusalem when you go to England. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sure. So so anyway, so the question becomes which one is authentic? Did mm. the, uh, you know, or or what's the difference there? Why does it what, say that? What do you think? So do you have an opinion there? So either uh, once again, either it says uh, give way to your father and your mother that your days may be long or it doesn't. And which one is correct? And we want to know because this is the the 10 words given at Horeb uh, from Elohim to the people. We want to get this right. Uh, what's your opinion? Which one do you think is more authentic? I, I tell you, it's, it's interesting that the phrase to lengthen days is a phrase that we do see, as we just mentioned, uh, quite frequently in the text. But I, I almost think that, especially based on the other words in the Ten Words, particularly uh, not just in the Moses Scroll, but in the canonical versions as well, it, it's they seem to be more matter-of-fact. Uh, so, for instance, mm-hmm. you shall not murder. Why? Well, it just says don't murder. You shall not adulterate. You shall not steal. You shall not answer against your... So it it almost doesn't give a reward or punishment. I almost believe that the original would have been the cleanest version, the lighter version, Jono, that, that simply says, give weight to your father and your mother, mm. right? I'm inclined to agree. And, and that's, I'm that is an opinion. It is my opinion. Uh, again, the phrase does occur throughout the biblical text, but I see mm. no reason to make it heavier and add something to it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why I, I agree with you. What I, what I would speculate is that the writer of the second copy, or perhaps it was the third that included this phrase, uh, the first rather that included this phrase, I think included this phrase by rote that yeah. they are familiar with the 10 words as it appears in either Exodus or Deuteronomy. Uh, and by rote, they added this phrase before they checked and went, oh, right. yeah. that's not there. Now, the reason why I say that is because that your days may be long applies to the observance of all the commandments. And we see that in two places. I've already mentioned one of them. But in HA7 to HB2, uh we have um, uh, the curses, right? Okay. And in within the curses, it states, if you do not listen, uh, and this is in the Moses scroll, so if you do not listen to the voice of Elohim to guard to do all of his commandments and statutes, Elohim will cause you to perish and he will destroy you from upon the face of the ground mm-hmm. that you are to enter there to possess it. Mm-hmm. Um, which basically says that if you fail to... Uh, be obedient to these these instructions that I've given you, then you will not live long upon the land. Uh, the longevity of Israel will will not be long. You'll, right. you'll be wiped from the from the ground that you go in there to possess. Also, in addition to that, I've already read DC nine to DC ten. You shall guard his statutes and his commandments for the sake of your good and for lengthening days upon the land which Elohim your Elohim gives you. So clearly, uh, this applies to all the commands, not just this one, yeah, but actually all of them, Ross. Yeah. Now, I, I think, you know, your idea is something, we do get these, there are different types of scribal mistakes that we find, even in our biblical text. And, and one thing that happens is called 
uh, haplography, where a scribe leaves something out, like they're they look at the master that they're copying from. They look at the scroll mm. A. They they have scroll A. Let's say scroll A is an old scroll, and they're making a fresh scroll, just like scribes do it today. And so they're mm. looking at the older, and they read a line, they write a line. To your point, a person who is familiar with another recension, another text which has this, like I, I have memorized, and many of your listeners have memorized many verses in Scripture. If I start off, for instance, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, then people automatically know what comes next from memory. Uh, it's mm. the same in this case. Most people, or many people, particularly in the ancient world, uh, would would spend a lot of time. Not everybody had a Bible like we do, so they mm. they mm. relied on uh, the repetition of some of these key things, you know, verbally transmitted, orally transmitted. Yeah. So it could very it's, it's well be, yeah. Yeah, and it's an easy mistake for a, for a scribe to make. It reminds me, and I've, we've told this story before, but I'll just quickly tell it again. Uh, the Tanakh tour, uh, you, myself, Tavia, we were at the um, Shrine of the Book. That is the oldest copy of uh, the Scroll of Isaiah mm-hmm. on display at the Israel Museum. And uh, we had taken the tour there, and it's a fascinating stop, and everyone was really into it. And it was um, uh, was it Kevin Mercer that that uh, said to us as we were leaving? He said, "You know, of course, um, the scroll uh, says is, is different to uh-huh. the copy that we have today, in that um, I think it's the seraphim that fly around God in the vision of uh, Isaiah, and they they call out, holy, holy, holy." Yeah, he said uh, in in the um, Isaiah scroll that we have in the shrine of the book there. That's it. Only says holy, holy. It says it twice, not ah. three times. Uh-huh. And uh, and we were leaving, and I said to Tavia, I said, "Are you aware of this?" And he goes, "No, I've never heard that before." And I said, "Well, this is this is what Kevin was telling." You. He said, "No, no, no. Let's go back and have a look." And so we went back, and we uh, Tavia found it on the Isaiah scroll, and he goes, "Look at that! It only appears twice." Uh. And I said to him, "Well, which one do you think is more authentic? I mean, this is the oldest copy that we have." Yeah. He said, "Well." Yeah, but he said I don't know. But yeah. uh, he said I'd be. He, he's he was more inclined to go with the um, the three times. And but really, we don't know. We That's we right. don't know which one's original. So it's, it's fascinating that these um, mistakes are easy to make by by scribes. Ross. Well, and and in the book in the Moses scroll. Now remember, Edan Dershowitz wrote the the Valediction of Moses, published right after my book came out. And uh, here's mm. a Harvard scholar. He uh, he puts forward a case from many different academic viewpoints that the Moses scroll, as I call it, the valediction of Moses, as he puts it, is the earliest without a doubt. Uh, he he dates it to like the 10th century BCE, uh, at least, right? So mm. now we, we need to find it, which is what we're looking for now, obviously to do the scientific proof, to test it, to mm. do carbon dating and so forth. Uh, in in my book, I was a more conservative, meaning, uh, you know, I had no idea what he would say. All I had was a bunch of people saying that it wasn't real at all. But I had this idea that it, it dates at least to uh, the end of uh, the first temple period. So, for instance, mm. Jeremiah's day, you know, during the time of Josiah, when mm. Hilkiah discovers the scroll, my, my idea was that this Moses scroll, these two copies, 
were made shortly after the discovery of the scroll in the days of Hilkiah. So I'm dating it, you know, a little bit later than uh, than Edan did. But I could see how scribes writing a copy of the scroll that was discovered in the temple in the days of Josiah, who were used to a text which said that your days may be lengthened, mm. I could see, because in Hebrew it's three words, Right. Yeah. So I could see yeah. them just out of memory writing those three words. And so I think mm. your point is valid. But generally, if you look at the 10 words, whether you're looking at the Moses scroll or you're looking at one of the canonical versions, uh, you, you generally, the 10 words are 10 brief statements. You know, in fact, if you think about it, don't murder, don't steal, don't adulterate, or I mix the order, don't murder, don't adulterate, don't steal. Those are mm. all two words each. Low, low, low. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm. And, and so it's very brief. So I think here, what we have in this command, and, and we can talk a little bit about it because I, you know, I said give weight. And, and I think people might question that translation. But if I could talk about it just for a minute... I, so obviously it doesn't mean feed your father and your mother pastries. What, what does it mean to give weight to your yeah. father and your mother? Well, it's. I mean, it's, I understand in, in English we say don't take them lightly, which is kind of saying the same thing, but what does that even mean? Yeah, well, there are two things I think it's real important. Both sides of that equation are important, and they both find support from biblical text. So, for instance, if I say, if I use the word, the word there in, in the Hebrew, and this is the canonical version, it's the same in the Moses scroll, is the root word, kaf uh, bait. Uh, Dalit, kavad is is to give weight, but it's used in a lot of different scenarios. It's used in a lot of different verses, and and I won't go through a lot of these, but just just as an example, uh, Genesis thirty four nineteen. I'll just paraphrase. Um, mm. um, it says in and the youth lost no time in doing the thing, for he wanted Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most respected in his father's house. And, and in Hebrew, the root word there is uh, kavad. And it means mm-hmm. he's the one with the most weight. So if you're respected or if you're honored, sometimes it's translated glory. It's like you're laden with gifts or you're laden with honor. So they, mm-hmm. they pull honor, but that's not really the word there. Uh, another example is in Genesis 48.18. I'm sorry, 48.10. Israel's eyes were dim with age. Well, it actually says they were heavy with age. It's like he couldn't even open his eyes. That's the image that you want to get. Um, Hmm. uh, And and one more, just to give you an idea of the idea of weight. In Exodus 5, 9, uh, when Moses goes and the Pharaoh sends him away, and, and he said, oh, by the way, let heavier work be laid upon the men. Now, what happens is translators know that kavad are are forms of that word mean to give weight or to make heavy, to load down with honor, with gifts, whatever. They know that. But but how do you you use that in English, for instance, in a way that retains the Hebrew meaning? And I think Mm. it can be done. Tabor does a great job of this with his Genesis translation. You, you mm. look for a way uh, to make sense out of that. So, for instance, if, if you give weight 
to your parents, uh, you, you give weight to what they have to say, you know, mm. um, it's like, can I say to, to prioritize? Can I use that? Like, a- absolutely, like, absolutely. Give them uh, the the benefit of priority. Yeah, and and you ever see somebody they hold their hands out to their side and and they kind of do the scale thing, like you know, this is mm-hmm. you know, and you say, well, this is real important. Well, you know, it's the idea that if something is important, it has weight, and mm. and so this is the idea. So. We come up with all sorts of English words to try to work syntactically in a sentence, you know, where we say you might translate it as honor or the glory or, but it's the weight. It's something which is very weighty. Now, the opposite of that is to lightly esteem. Um, look, look, Jono, at Genesis 12. I just want to make this point. Uh, this is, I think, one of the most important things when we understand how we are to honor our father and our mother. If you, mm-hmm. if you look at verse 3, um, now I've, I grew up on the King James, so I'm not, look, let me look at the King James. Let me pull that up just because that's the one that is in my head. Okay. <clears throat> And I, now this is God talking to Abraham, or Abram at the time, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Mm -hmm. Now, in the Hebrew, it says I'll bless, this is good translation in the first part, I'll bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them, or him, that's that's good, Mm -hmm. that doesn't say curses curseth thee, it says, who esteems you lightly. I didn't know that. You didn't, all no, right? No, didn't know so, that. That's news to me. So it's not like we think, oh yeah, if you bless Israel, you get blessed. If you curse it, no, you don't even have to curse Israel. If you esteem them lightly. Now, what does that mean? So we have all sorts of examples. Let's go through a couple of them. I think we can do these quickly if you've got time, Jono. Mm. Uh, go to Exodus 20, uh, 21 and you brought right. this well, one up i was just a, yeah i was just about to say because seeing you you um uh brought that up okay so uh here it's translated as curse and i'm looking at the jps um in exodus chapter 21 mm-hmm. it talks about um i think verse 15 says anyone who strikes uh, their father or their mother and in verse 17 it says anyone who curses their father or their mother is to be put to death. Are you telling me that the word "curse" there is is used in the same way? I am. I'm going to tell you that that verse really? there says, "He that esteems his father or his mother lightly shall surely be put to death." Now, I, well, I know, I know, because I know you're into some really good stuff here. You've got some points to take on this idea, but but let me let me look at a couple more. Look at Leviticus 20. We'll come back to that. Mm. Look at Leviticus 20 and verse 9. Uh, I'm, what yeah, you got? I think so. Okay. Again, for everyone, or because a man, any man, who, my King James says, curseth, but it says, who esteems his father or his mother lightly shall surely be put to death. He has lightened his father or his mother, his blood shall be upon him. It's it's this idea that don't, you don't want to do that. Now look at uh, Deuteronomy 27, mm-hmm. 16, and it says, Cursed, now that is the word cursed. Mm-hmm. Cursed is he 
that setteth light. Now notice the King James all of a sudden knows how to do this word now because it had a it had another <laughs> word that mean cursed. It cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother and all the people shall say amen. See? Mm-hmm. So this is in the curses in Deuteronomy. Yep. Now, now did, did you want to make did you want to finish a point there or can I can I ask you a question about that? You you can ask me a question. I'm ready. I say I well, am. it raises a question, doesn't it? Because what happens is we see in uh, in these the verses that you read prior uh, that if you esteem your father and your mother lightly, that is a, a a transgression which is deserving of the death penalty according uh-huh. to those verses. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is is that um, we also see it in the curses in Deuteronomy, which is saying cursed is the one who uh, esteems their father and their mother lightly. Mm -hmm. Which one is it, Ross? Because uh, what you have here is, um, how am I going to say this? In the the Moses scroll, each blessing and curse corresponds to the word that is given in the Decalogue, the word that's given in the Ten Commandments, if you like. Right. They align and they relate to one, uh, one another. Not so exactly in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we've, and we've talked about this before, we don't even have the blessings. That's right. Um, what we have is the 10 words, a little bit different, and then we have uh, much further down after the, the law code, and we've talked about this, uh, chapters 12 to 26, is um, this massive, inter- what you call interrupting Moses, can I yep. say? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have the, um, the curses, there and uh, and it, and it references this one. So the, the question would be, which is it? Is are you are you cursed by a divine hand? Because after all, the ten words were given at Horeb. Uh, is it divinely governed, or are there actual punishments and penalties administered by the hand of men, or is it both? Here's the question. Right. Well, it's it it is an excellent point you bring up, and we did do a show on this. If you if you go to Deuteronomy 27, you have Cursed be, and then it gives you several cursed be, cursed be, cursed be, cursed be. Then you have blessings, and then curses, and then, uh, but there's no blessings. How do I say this? It's it's like you don't have, there are no blessed bees. It's all, it's cursed be, mm. then blessings and curses. So your idea, your point is valid that you already have blessings and cursings, and for obedience or disobedience, and the thing is, there you're not in the Moses scroll. It doesn't say you're going to die. Mm. I mean, that. <laughs> the, the, no, ahead. this is it because because in in uh, in the canonical text in Deuteronomy, Exodus, Leviticus, it talks about um, laws that if you break them, uh, and and laws that come from the the ten words like uh, idolatry. Uh, adultery. Uh, this one, uh, um, you know, treating your your mother and father uh, lightly, and so on and so. There's a few more. Um, if you break those, that incurs the death penalty. Yeah. And and you have to ask, well, well, which is it? Because you have the blessings and the curses, which are divinely governed. It would appear in in the Moses scroll. Uh, and then you have another set of laws that say, no, 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 we're we're going to stone you with stones, or we're going to impale you. In fact, one of them is yeah. is, is all sorts of really, really horrible ways to die. And and you have to ask yourself, well, we, can, you know, we, I can imagine. See, this is this is the way I'm thinking of it at the moment. I can imagine uh, Jimmy Israelite saying to the powers that be, 
uh, of the day. Um, you know, how do these two verses, how do these two passages work together? How do we reconcile? And, uh, how do we reconcile? How this? do we reconcile that? And the, and the, uh, the priestly authority or, or whatever it may be may say to him, well, you see, Jimmy Israelite, the, the thing is, is that when, don't you think that when we put you to death, that's pretty cursed? That is, it, and it <laughs> the, is. The, the it's curses, a valid point. Yeah, the, the curses relate to the, um, you know, these, these penalties and punishments that we administer on behalf of God. We administer them upon you. We inflict them upon you. And that's what it means when it says that you'll be cursed. But see, if that's the case, and, you know, I can, I can see them saying that and I can see, you know, Jimmy going, well, okay, I guess so. But if that's the case, Ross, wouldn't it also be conversely true of the other that Jimmy may say, well, what if I'm obedient and I do uh, and I keep these commandments? Where then are my benefits or my grants by your Mm -hmm. hand? Mm -hmm. Um, If I am punished by you for not keeping them, then where in what way do you materialize a benefit for me? Got you. When I keep them. Yeah. And. The answer is that the blessings are missing from the canonical text, and perhaps that's why. Man, that is an interesting idea because what what you you almost get in the what we believe is probably the purest form is you you have a command, you have a word. This is the requirement. Here's the standard, and if mm. you do these things, here is the blessing, and if you don't do it, here is the curse. And and they like you said they correspond. But mm. if you need more substance to enforce it, uh, I think that's what happens. Is maybe at a later stage these other things were added. And look, yeah, they, let, let me, well, I, I'll tell you, I, I think they absolutely were because don't we hear so often um, that there were quote unquote fences put around the Torah? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. By uh, by by certain movements. Fences, in other words, here is the commandment. You better not go near it in case you transgress it. Therefore, we're going to put an extra commandment around it so that you don't go near that. Right. And, okay. And, yeah. um, go ahead. No, well, I'm just, I'm just saying it. Is it not characteristic that because an individual has rights, there are other people that look at you and they say, well, you know, I don't know that I can trust you to keep that. Uh, and because rights can be infringed, uh, you may um, abuse those rights. Therefore, we better put a fence around those rights and kind of take that freedom away from you mm-hmm. uh, because we know better. And that's where you have a power that set themselves up above the, aver- the, uh, um, the average man and say, we will govern this and we will administer additional punishments and, and penalties to make sure that you don't break these commandments. And they take it. Uh, the decision-making process away from the individual. It was never meant to be like that. Well, and, and let me just say that these these kind of questions have entertained the minds of the rabbis for a long time. Let me give you an example of, of something. We, we, in Please. our day, have a lot of people who say, I mean, I've said this, you know, I, I'm Torah observant. I follow the Torah. And, and by that, you know, I mean, I seek to live my life in accordance with the, the Torah as best that I can. And of course, mm. I'm not Jewish, but, but, you know, I still seek to live my life according to these principles. But there are some things, like, for instance, Deuteronomy 21, uh, verses 18 through 21. Uh, it says, uh, and I'll just paraphrase, I'll just tell the story. If you have a wayward and defiant son, 
you know, and, and the, the child will not listen to the mother or father. I mean, I have six kids. That's happened to me a few times, right? And, yeah, and does so. not obey them, even after they, you know, set the rules out straight. The father and the mother are going to take this, uh, this rebellious child, bring them to the elders of the city, and they say... To the higher authority. Russ, yes. To the higher the hi- authority. That's yeah. right. And they say, mm-hmm. look, this kid, look, this kid, little Jimmy here, uh, mm-hmm. is a drunkard and a glutton, and he will not. He doesn't listen to the voice of his mother or father, and the men of the town shall stone him to death. And that way, look, <laughs> that way nobody else is going to act a, a donkey, as we say. The the rest right. of the kids are going to get in line. Fear and be fear. Like, you saw what happened to Jimmy. My goodness. Yeah, look at Jimmy. Isn't that yeah, good? There's a pile of rocks on the corner of uh, uh, Jones and Smith Street. So you, mm. you did, now here's the deal. The, the rabbis looked at this and they said, this never happened in Israel. It's almost well, as if they're embarrassed well, let me, let me, about let me, it. Yeah, well, I was going to say that the, the rabbis looked at this and they said, oh, that's a bit harsh. Yeah. Um, you, you should know that, uh, i tell you what, this, we have no record of this ever happening. How about that? Yeah, uh, and, we never did it. It's, yeah. yeah. In fact, <laughs> they they go to great lengths. I wrote an article years ago, um, and it's called "A Drunkard and a Glutton." Uh, it's it's uh, I can give the link, but here here's the link. Here's what they said. Uh, the rabbis ultimately said this in uh, Jewish literature. Uh, it records that the following circumstances have to be met. I'm reading from my footnote here in order to fit the sentence described. The son had to steal money from his father. That's number one. So these are the requirements. In order to stone your son to death, uh, you know, you can't just, Mm. like if they mouth back when you ask them to do the dishes. Uh, So number two, the son purchased 50 dinar of meat, eating it rare outside his father's property and, and Jono, in bad company. That's number two. Number three. The son had to drink one half log, which is approximately five ounces of wine, with the mm-hmm. meal. Now, all of those requirements mm. have to be met. So they said, you know, I know what it says in the text, but, you know, we've never actually carried this out because no one ever hit the all three of those points just, you know, right, right on the They didn't qualify. They didn't, they didn't qualify. But imagine, so- you know, all these people who say... Well, I, I follow the Torah. We had a, a person who commented on one of our posts uh, saying these guys, I think meaning Ross and Jono, don't accept the Torah. But yet people who say they accept the Torah and seek to live a, a Torah lifestyle, how do they get around not bringing their son to the elders of the city and say, you're going to have to to stone little Jimmy? Mm. You know, he was late getting back from a date. I mean... Right. I mean, so let's this do is it. The thing. Well, okay. So, so this is the um, the solution that, or the explanation rather, that the rabbis um, put forth. And there's one. Um, and uh, another way of looking at might be uh, looking at it might be that the Moses Scroll is the original document, and that laws like this were added later yeah. into the document. And uh, and this is the problem. So, well, well, let, let me let me add something to this. You know, it's interesting. In the Moses scroll, we have uh, two different readings. One has that your days may be long upon the land. And then, mm. you know, here here's the thought. What if the original, we have one copy of the Moses scroll that doesn't have this? 
So I'm wondering if what we have, and I've always thought this, that the two copies that were discovered in a cave east of the Jordan, above the Wadi Mujib, one is Mm. an earlier copy and another is a later copy still. So what if we have sort of an evolution of the text where by the time the second copy is written, assuming, Mm. admittedly, that one of these is older than the other, the second copy would be the one which contains the phrase which is more in line with the canonical version. Does right. that make yeah. sense? You know? that, that, that makes sense, and, and because the question has to be asked, why was it added? Uh, yeah. Why was it added at all to this particular? I mean, if it, if it, if it applies to all the commandments, mm-hmm. um, then why was it added specifically to this one? And, uh, and I think the JPS knocks it on the head when it says that, the, uh, that obedience to parents was the cornerstone of all order and authority especially in a tribal patriarchal society. Uh, so it was necessary to instill in them, hey, little Jimmy, if you want to live a long life, <laughs> yeah. make sure you do what mum and dad say. If, if you want to live a long life upon the land, make sure you give weight to your parents and they're going to instruct you in the way that you go. Otherwise, you'll be taking a little visit to the elders and they're going to stone you with stones if you don't behave yourself. That's right. And, and look, I would concur that one of the greatest Uh, things in society, the greatest benefit to society is to have the family unit in order where you Mm. have mother and father are given weight. Uh, They are respected. I'm okay with saying honor. I think that we Mm. should honor our parents. And, And look, there are some people, unfortunately, I know people who say, Ross, I want to be obedient to God, but you know, my father was a drunk, you know, or they have these horrible uh, memories. Mm, and mm. so that that's yeah. a very difficult case. And, and I'd just like to say that if, we're, if someone listening has that experience, the idea of giving weight is, is uh, a little bit different than, you know, agreeing with everything that the parent did or said. It's, it's more of you, you at least defer to their wisdom in certain respects but think about the beauty of when it's operating right, when it's when a family's mm. functioning correctly. Now, the opposite of that, and we see this throughout history, whenever a society, when children are disrespectful to elders and parents, it's very destructive, Jono. It, it totally mm. undermines everything. If a person can't respect a loving parent, then certainly they won't respect the rule of law, and it certainly tears down societal norms. Mm, um, mm. But but one thing I tell you, we, we do get the idea that the main command, give weight to your father and your mother, uh, I think that's the original. Now, yeah. the opposite of that is to esteem them lightly, and I, I wanted to read a couple more. Can I give you a couple more verses? Go ahead. I found? So Proverbs 20.20 says, uh, again, King James, Whoso curseth, what does that mean? It really means uh, the one who esteems lightly his father or his mother, his lamp uh, shall be put out in obscure darkness. Right. Hmm. So it indicates, again, destruction for Mm -hmm. uh, esteeming lightly. And then Proverbs 30, verse 11 is important for us. Let's look at this. Now, uh, Proverbs thirty eleven says there is a generation that esteems lightly their father and does not bless 
their mother. Now, the reason I bring that verse in, Jono, is because it takes me back to Genesis 12. Genesis 12 is the cornerstone of the Hebraic faith, basically. You mm. know, and it, and it uses bless and esteem lightly as working uh, as two ends of the spectrum, right? Yeah, that's interesting. That's, yeah. that's here as well. And and remember, if you think back, and I know this isn't necessarily the Moses scroll, but if you think at Genesis 18, God is uh, thinking to himself, should I tell Abraham what I'm about to do? He says, yes, because mm. Abraham is going to teach his children and his household after him. It's this yeah. idea that faith begins not in a church or in a synagogue, Jono, but faith begins in the home. And, and mm. the true cornerstone of the family and ultimately society and the world in which we live is, is built upon a strong and obedient and loving home. So I think that it is incredible that this occurs uh, as one of the 10 words. And, and think about what the world would be. Certainly, what would the world be if it went one day without adultery? If it went one day without murder or without uh, theft, uh, but mm. what would it be? What would the world be? What would your town be if not mm. a single occurrence of esteeming parents lightly uh, took place? What a what a mm. what a change! One more verse, Jono. Uh, Ezekiel. Uh, let's go to Ezekiel. Now this is late, right? Ezekiel is mm. uh, the end of the first temple period. Ezekiel twenty-two and verse seven. Now. By the way, uh, Ezekiel 22 is is going through a litany of crimes. You know, just bad, bad things are going on. There's mm. murder in the mm. streets. And now, verse seven says, "In thee have they set light by father and mother. In the midst of thee have they dealt by oppression with the stranger." And it goes on to talk about they vex the fatherless and the widow. It's just it's describing. A horrible time, but it's kicked off with this idea of esteeming lightly father and mother. And and I think we can't underestimate how important it is mm. uh, to recognize the difference in giving weight to parents in, in the family and ultimately strengthening societal norms mm. Uh, mm. as opposed to the crime of esteeming parents lightly and not giving them the weight, the honor, the respect uh, that's due. Mm. No, I totally agree. So this week we did touch on the blessings and the curses a little more than we have before. Uh, and obviously, as we work through the Moses Scroll systematically, we're going to get there and we'll expand upon that uh, even more so. Um, another thing that's kind of just just throwing it in there, I don't know uh, if you want to add any comments to this, but it's interesting, Ross, or I found it interesting that the um, this particular commandment is the second positive commandment that is to say you shall do a thing this is a thing that you shall do as opposed to you shall not do uh -huh. the first one being uh, shabbat as i already mentioned shabbat is number two in the moses scroll uh the second word and it and it says uh you shall uh, cease yeah and uh you will sanctify the seventh day um this one is you shall give weight to your father and your mother uh i think the rest of them are thou shalt not. Is, is that fair? That is exactly right. That so it's almost uh, this. This begins with obviously the idea of the prohibition against idolatry, and then it has two positives, and then the rest are don't do these things. 
So hmm. we're gonna we're gonna be in a series now as we work through the remainder, where this is everything according to the ten words that you should not do. You should not do the things that we're gonna talk about next. Hmm. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get there next week. That is it for uh, this program, and uh, thanks for joining us. So until next week, have a great one. Have a beautiful week. <laughs>